Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I am your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 57 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is Jan Fisher, a woman in poker hall of famer. Jan is a genuine legend, whether it was starting out as a dealer in Las Vegas, her storied tenure working with the World Poker Tour as a part owner of the popular card player Cruises, or as a founder, a co-founder of the TDA and the Poker Gives charity organization. Jan has always made her mark. She is quite the player as well. Plus, whether she's right or she ain't right, her bubbly personality and one-of-a-kind sense of humor will always leave you in stitches. On today's episode, we get to know Jan a little bit better. Jan, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Thank you. Welcome. For, well, happy to have Happy to be here. Let's uh, start schnittling words, are oh, we? I'm happy to be in your home. Well, I mean, let's start with the obvious folks. If you're listening, you may not realize this, but if you're watching, you're surely going to see that this episode has a different look because for the first time since starting to host the Cards Chat Podcast more than a year ago, I'm finally not on a Zoom call, but actually conducting the interview in person. So thank you very much for welcoming me, welcoming, welcoming me See, to we your all, lovely home. It's an honor to have you here. And being number one on the camera is great. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very cool. Uh, we're here in Las Vegas. Um, I believe you're originally from Seattle. So let's start with what brought you here from the rainy city and how long ago was that? We just told people it rained all the time so they wouldn't move there. But <laughs> I left I left Seattle shortly after I turned 21 because I'd been coming to Vegas with my mother since I was 17. And she was a comp guest at RFB, room food beverage, the whole thing. Hmm. And I got to see Vegas with all that cool stuff. And uh -huh. we got to go to all the shows, do whatever we want. We'll play, go get nickel, nickel and play, you know, real slot machines and get a 50 cent thing for this. Get mm -hmm. all kinds of coupons, played the coupon book. I fell in love with it, hated the job I had in Seattle, moved down here to be a poker dealer. Um, so, okay, so that's an interesting thing. You're saying to be a poker dealer, why that? I'm sure you're, you're plenty qualified to do lots of different sorts of jobs. So what, what, what about being a poker dealer appealed to you? Um, well, first of all, I, I learned that they don't have to split tips. And that was big for me because okay. I knew that I could be the kind of dealer, that, you know, and I had fallen in love with poker. Mm, okay. And dealing with other games, you have to sit, stand up. So it was kind of a combination, but uh -huh. I fell in love with poker. Okay. So a lot of people, they say, okay, I fell in love with poker. And usually that's the story we hear with the, you know, professional players. Why not become a professional player when you fell in love with poker, right? Rather a dealer. Because I didn't play all that well. Oh, <laughs> Beating poker is very, very difficult. Uh -huh. I didn't have a bankroll. I mean, I was 21 years old. And I think these young kids now who go out and that's what they're going to do from the time they're 18, 19 years old. I think they miss a lot of seeing the world. They miss a lot of growing up mm -hmm. and a lot of them aren't good enough. To, mm -hmm. I mean, I would have gone broke for sure. Was there ever any point where you did consider yourself to be a professional poker player? Oh, absolutely. I played for about four or five years as the only thing I did. I was, uh -huh. a, I was a 15, 30 uh, stud player at the Mirage uh -huh. back when stud was the thing. And back when the Mirage was the uh -huh. thing also, that was one of the most legendary yeah. rooms. Oh, it was fabulous. Sure. It's amazing how the action has gone from room to room. Uh -huh. Yeah. And now hopefully it's down at the Rio. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, of course, we're recording this. You know, Jan's mentioning the Rio. The World Series of Poker is going on as we speak, actually. For some reason, we're not there. We're here in this lovely. Yeah. Linda Johnson's down there to play the 1500 Omaha. She's still in line. Ah, she's oh, in line. In line. And she's got another 
another hour because the tournament started at three. It doesn't matter because if they don't put your chips down until you get to the table, but man, <laughs> I couldn't do that. We, we will be talking about Linda Johnson. She was actually episode number 39 here on the Cards Chat podcast. Uh, she will be mentioned a few times, I believe, <laughs> during How Can You Not <laughs> when speaking with Jen as well. Um, so when you're saying that you were a uh, professional poker player, at what point did that happen that you sort of stopped doing dealing and that's when you were focusing on like at what what years more um, or less that was probably in the 90s probably like 93 94 about five years okay and, and yeah and, and that was a struggle too that's what I was like, so what made you think okay now's the time to to go ahead and, and try that this will be my sole source of income well I main keep, source of it okay. i keep records which kind of you must do if you're going to see what how you're doing if you want to call yourself a professional you need to know that you're winning mm -hmm. and i was a winning player and I was just fed up. I was up to here with, with dealing because of mm. the abuse. The abuse was so bad. Mm -hmm. The house didn't back you. And uh, so I thought, well, if I can learn to play real well, I can still be in poker. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for about four or five years. And emotionally, it was very, very difficult for me. So mm -hmm. That was my only income. It was very, very difficult for me because mm -hmm. I had... I had a bankroll, but not that much. And mm -hmm. if it didn't work out, I was back to dealing poker. Right. Well, well we are going to start with uh, the whole dealing thing. That's interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about your play uh, a little bit later. And, you know, you did mention the abuse. And, you know, oh. when you started out dealing, I think we're talking around, you know, late 1970s, early 1980s. You know, obviously and thankfully, we've come quite a long ways Absolutely. since then. But maybe you can sort of give us an idea because we shouldn't be taking it for granted that, you know, things are much better today. What was it like being a dealer, a poker dealer in general, and specifically a female poker dealer during those years? It was very tough. Uh, the house never backed you. I, I was called mm. every name in the book, even the C word. Mm. Um, I had one player who told me, I hope your mother gets cancer and dies. Oh now, my God. how do you say that to somebody? And at the time, my mother was in the hospital. He didn't know that, but. You know, I, I'm, I'm 25 years old, 30 years old, and mm -hmm. I get that. Um, I have a friend who had a cigarette put out on her arm. I, oh. just, I just reached over and burned her. Oh. Um, I know some someone else who... Was, it sounds like it's almost made up. Like, how could that happen? I know, it's hard. Like, wow. I, I know another another dealer who, a player urinated on her leg under the table. I mean, it's... Wow. It was horrible. I mean, I could, you know, I, I could tell you stories all day about how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And that's that was just something I didn't want to be around. Mm -hmm. In today's cartons, they've got very you know strict lines about what's okay and what's not okay. Right, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful because you know it's nice to go in there now. Right. Oh my God, I, I can't even imagine. I'm sure a lot of folks are, are listening to these stories. Like, how could that possibly be real? Was there was there any sort of thing that happened, like a, a an incident or I don't know, some sort of like awareness that people just came to at some point that this kind of stuff stopped or, or was it more of a gradual thing over the years that, you know, dealers started getting treated right? Um, it was really uh, with, the, with the WSOP when it was down at Binion's, hmm. Linda, owed, Linda Johnson owned Card Player Magazine and she had the power of the pen hmm. and she talked to the management down there about, you know, poker's dirty little secret, all mm -hmm. this abuse. People didn't, didn't play, you know, they're like, oh God, how fun is that? Um, and so she told them, anyway, that's when they got a penalty system and they started enforcing rules in the tournaments. And gradually it came to the cash games too. And it's mm -hmm. nice because any card room manager who's worth his salt, her salt, whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, needs to take care of the players and back them. Right. And finally that happened. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really good. And like, it was kind of like an overnight thing that things um, did it, change. Or? Yeah. But it, I mean, the rules changed overnight, the behavior, it took a little while, but people sure. knew people, you know, people knew that, right. uh, you know, it's, 
you know, it's no longer season on uh, open season on dealers. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm yeah. thank God. But uh, wow, so to be able to tell those stories. Yeah, that was that would have been that was I started dealing in '77, so that was mm-hmm. in the in the late '70s and early. And it was like a funny name, the Silver Slipper or something. Yeah, that, was the, the, that was one of the jobs I had. I loved working there. Oh my God, Kenny Kerr was the entertainer there. He was one of the. He had a boy. The show was Boylesque. Okay. And it was a drag show, but it was fabulous. And they had the silver slipper going around on the marquee and, uh-huh. you know, boy left. They had Wednesday boxing day and it was a great job. I loved working there. So for those of us in the audience and, and me who weren't around at the time, where sort of in modern day Las Vegas would that place have been located? Silver uh, okay, slipper. wait. Uh, uh, we were just north of the Stardust. In terms oh, okay. Of, yeah, so we were kind of across from where that church is. Okay. That big church. Thing yeah. On Desert Inn. Like Desert Inn would run right into it. Okay. Cool. But yeah. it was, yeah, every, pretty much every place I worked has been torn down. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, thankfully, we're, this place has not been torn down. This is a beautiful, yeah. lovely home, and it's Thank one you. that you share um, with your longtime BFF, Linda Johnson, yes. who you have mentioned. Uh, you two have known each other for the better part of four decades, yeah. I believe, which is just any sort of blessing to know anyone for that long and have a great relationship with them. Um, you both um, came out to Las Vegas at a time when women in our industry were extremely few and far between. Is that sort of how you first met and connected or was it just sort of by chance or how did that happen? I, I first met Linda. I, I knew who she was. Everybody knew who she was. But I first met her when I was dealing uh, at the Golden Nugget because mm-hmm. uh, very commonly she and I were the only two women in the room. Mm-hmm. and. You know, if you're in a room with men and there's one other woman, you kind of gravitate towards them. Sure. And, you know, we just got to be friends. And then I then I went to work on at Card Player Magazine for a while. We started, we were doing the cruises. Mm-hmm. And I had, actually, I was already doing the cruises when she bought the business. Mm-hmm. And we just went from there and we just, you know, became BFFs. Uh, it was just sort of like a natural yeah. progression. I mean, time. she's my person and I'm her person. Oh, Everyone, people think that we are a couple. We're not a couple, but. <laughs> You're a couple of wonderful people, though. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, well, you did say, yeah, and eventually, you know, like you said you started at the card player cruises and you did work your way up and eventually mm-hmm. became a partner um, in that business. And I think you're still involved in the business oh, ab- a little bit today. Ab- absolutely. Linda and I um, became the, only the sole owners of the business. And we realized that we weren't really working it too well. We were kind of running it as a hobby. So we decided to get some partners who wanted to do the work and would make something of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark and Tina Napolitano kind mm-hmm. of fell on our laps. We were at dinner with them one night. They were re- semi-retired, but one of them had said, you know, I think we still have one business left in us. Uh-huh. And my ears perked up. And on the way home, I told Linda, I said, do you hear what they said? Uh-huh. And the rest <laughs> is history. They're the majority owners now. Linda and I have, okay. have a piece. And it's a really good business now. I mean, it's a business now that had the pandemic not come. Sure. Uh, we just had a record cruise in uh, January right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can pick up that momentum. What do you love about poker cruising? So many of us who love the game have never been on a poker cruise before. So I'm just like, what, what's different, unique, and, and special about that? Um, it's just a regular cruise. It, you know, it's any cruise that goes out. Um, we have chartered before, but we haven't chartered in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you get all you get all your meals, you get your bed made twice a day, you get I oh, that's mean, fun. you get everything, <laughs> everything's clean, there's shows, and you never have to leave the ship if you don't want to. The ports are great, we always leave the ship, but there's swimming pools and bars. I mean, it's just a city on the mm-hmm. water. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's cruising is amazing, and we have poker too. Oh, so and and if I understand correctly, like it's happened if someone happens to find themselves on, I guess, Royal Caribbean mm-hmm. that you that you cruise with. 
you can't just walk into the program. No. You have to register through yes. Card Player yes. Cruises. Have, you have to book your cruise through us. Right. Okay, cool. Well, I know that you recently went on a cruise. It wasn't a poker cruise, but the first time in, I guess, what, about a year, year and a half. half. Yeah. So what was that like to finally get back on the boat? And then what, you know, perhaps did you miss the most? Obviously, I missed the poker room, but mm. 60 people went with us. That's amazing. You know, through That's Card Player. Group. And what was fun is we, most of them were people we knew. And we had time to get to know them better. And we had time to meet our new people. Mm -hmm. You know, we still had our parties and our silly, you know, going away. Thank you mm -hmm. for coming thing. But yeah, um, yeah, it, uh, it's just a regular cruise with poker. And okay. I, you know, I missed the poker the most, I guess, because the, everything was else was there. Mm -hmm. And I and I think your your first poker cruise is in November. Yeah, right? November 2nd or 3rd, something like that. Okay. So, and we can have poker then, at least as far as we know right now. Nice. And where is it going to be too? Here's oh, your chance don't to, ask to me plug that. Oh, oh, you don't know? I know it's the Caribbean, but I, okay, that's and fine. And the thing is, I would tell you that it's it's uh, uh you know it's the private island, it's Cozumel, and it's uh, Roatan. Okay. But they keep changing. Uh, I'm I'm going on a cruise the end of this month, just a four day cruise to mm -hmm. take a friend, and we were supposed to go to Cozumel, well, they've already changed it to the private island. So until we get on the ship, we. I know it's the Caribbean. Okay. But it'll probably change. That's cool. I guess cartplayercruises.com mm -hmm. is where you yep. go for that information. Please. Uh, okay. And if you have any questions, Jan at cartplayercruises.com. I'll get right back to you. Excellent. Very cool. And confirmed. She always does get right back to me when I email her uh, and give her a call. Um, okay. So back to you and Linda. Um, I believe that you two sort of started working at the World Poker Tour around the same time as well. And you were the statistician? I was. I guess. I was that was just a fancy name for for scorekeeper scorekeeper I mean, okay I, I just i had a sheet and i had to make every action that happened at the table call fold raise you know how much i don't know what time the hand started to the second right. had, a, had a camera that zoomed on the on the flock so i had to take care of that right it was the worst job in the world it was horrible i hated i hated it but i got a lot of good opportunities and after after about three years, I finally got them to pay me a little bit. Uh, don't worry, Linda made big bucks. I got nothing. Uh, you know, I mean, I paid my own ticket to get to some of the places where I, where wow. I helped them out. But, you know, Linda and uh, Steve Lipscomb had, had, are the ones who really started the World Poker Tour. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was amazing how they, you know, when they when, when uh, Lyle Berman told them, okay, I'll, I'll fund it, but I'm, this has to be a home run opportunity. Right. I don't want to take a million dollars and get two million. He says, sure. I want to invest a million dollars and get a hundred million. Right. And so he funded it. He started it. Mm -hmm. And the uh, rest is history. It was like 20 years now, the World Poker Tour. It could be. I, know, I, worked, I worked there for the first six seasons. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, it's probably, it could be 20 seasons. That sounds about right. So statistics, I mean, you're talking, so this 20 years is about like the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s mm -hmm. that you were working there. This is before social media. And, you know, even 20 years ago, the technology then wasn't necessarily as advanced as today. So if you're, like you said, scorekeeper, I mean, what does that practically mean? Did you have a team with you or like, how did it work? Well, it was funny because it was so old school then. Right. It was like, here's what we need you to do. And I'm like, okay, how do I do it? They're like, we don't know. We haven't done it before. You'll figure it out. <laughs> so I had, I just had a paper and I, I made little shortcuts for me. And I uh -huh. finally, after a couple of times had, you know, had exactly what I needed. And then they, they liked it. So they copied those papers. It's, it was all handwritten, you know, as the, as the action happened. And if anybody said anything when I was supposed to be getting up to bits, 50,000 and then somebody said something, I'm like, well, how much was the bet? You know? Right. So right. it was like, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it was, uh, then I'd have people like throwing stuff at me just to try to throw me off of what I was doing. I'm like, oh, on purpose? On purpose. They were, just, they, were, they were my friends. They were just messing with me. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. I, I know those, those first few years of the WPT as legendary as they were, you know, for us, the fans, when we were watching it on TV, I mean, there, there was a lot of kind of like hijinks, if, if I recall oh, yeah. correctly, that happened off camera. Uh, and sometimes you said, you know, you're just flying by the seat of your pants mm-hmm. and and you're just trying to figure things out as you go because it had never been done right. before. Any particular memories uh, perhaps sort of stand out to you that you want to share with us? Well, you, there were a lot of a lot of things done off off camera and there were a lot of pranks that we played on camera. Oh, oh on camera. On camera. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but there were things that we just played among ourselves kind of. But uh-huh. we had we started one competition with Mike Sexton, who we missed dearly. It was Mike and Linda and me. We played this game where I would, I, I would have ten random words. I would take the most random of words I could. It would mm-hmm. be like chair, raid, toaster up. You know, things just totally okay. ten words. And Linda had to work them into what she said. Oh, while she was doing right. the uh, commentating. It, yeah, like like the table yeah, announcement. Right. right. It's right. like, well, you know, John had a bagel that he put in the toaster oven this morning. I mean, she he'd just make crap <laughs> up. It was awesome. Well, finally, Mike started saying what is she doing oh, you know he wasn't aware he wasn't aware oh. and so then we told him and he just thought that was he thought that was great well then the camera people heard what we were doing and so then they wanted to put to in 10 in. words or, <laughs> or to know the 10 words and we were betting on it i mean it was fun we did we did stuff like that a lot of hijinks that is unbelievable yeah. wow okay oh god those early years of wpt yeah, we, we and we were a family we definitely were a family you know it was the same people every time for this for six years and it was great. Got very, very close to many people. I think, I mean, I wasn't obviously involved back then, but I've met a lot of the folks at WPT from Adam Pliska on down. And that family vibe still yeah. stays, you know, it rings true. Oh, and that's good to hear. Whether, whether you work for the company or you're just even sort of exposed to it, that is just sort of a culture that is, I think, huh. just helps make the WPT so special. Yeah, I think so. That's really cool. But yeah, it was funny because I would be at an event and couldn't wait till it came on TV so I could see if I saw myself in it. Because I was in a lot of shots, but I was way up on on a bleacher thing on a big, big platform uh-huh. in black. And so, but, but one time I think it was might have, I don't even remember who it was. Somebody was on the front page, and you could actually see me. It looked like I was sitting on his shoulder. Oh right, <laughs> that was funny. That was John Dewander. Yeah. Uh-huh. John okay. nice I haven't shadow. seen him in a while. Yeah. Nice shadow. Um, have you ever, well, after you left the company, had you played in any WPTs since then? Um, I, the only WPT event I played in is one that was a free roll, or I'm sorry, a couple that were free roll. Okay. I played on the PPT for the one season that they had it. Oh, right. And Professional I was, poker team, right. Yeah, that, that died early. I was actually, uh, Linda's counterpart in okay. the live studio announcer, but, um, and then I, I played in the free rolls that they've had. Uh, in fact, I remember one hand I played with. Norm McDonald, who just passed away, it was like it was the first hand of the event. We had thirty thousand in chips. The blinds were fifty and a hundred. Those hmm. so fold, fold, fold. He gets to the north, and he shoves all thirty thousand. Right. Well, Diego was behind him and had two aces and called. Uh-huh. Well, you know, well, he had two queens. <laughs> bye bye. I mean, literally, yeah. literally was the oh, first God. hand. So. You know, I, I met Norm McDonald once, yeah. and he he had this great saying. You know. uh, Texas Hold'em, uh, you know, it's a game that takes uh, five minutes to learn, and but uh, 10 minutes to, la- to answer <laughs> to master. 
Yes. <laughs> Lifetime for most of them, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. He, he sorry. wasn't there. He wasn't there 10 minutes. So yeah. he, he hadn't mastered it yet. Sorry I butchered that joke, yeah. but RIP one, one of a kind. Um, one of the other things that you did with Linda, along with um Dave Lamb and Matt Savage, is you helped co-found the TDA, the Tournament yep. Directors Association, uh back in 2001. And Somewhat again, you know, to a little bit of a lesser degree, you still remain involved in that again today. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but I don't want to be. Okay. <laughs> um, it's just the work. We have the connection, so when we have a meeting, we're the ones who are able to get the deal, get the room, and the and okay. the, you know, the coffee, and we go. But we go as as observant. Okay. So it's important to be observed. We yes. all we all know that, right? Especially so, on Friday. <laughs> yeah, especially on Friday before the seventh. Um. Well, the thing is, you had. The WPCT stuff going on. You had the card player cruises stuff going on. Why did you feel at the time that it was important for you to lend your voice to the TDA and and be involved when it first started out? Um, well, because people got got tired of going card room to card room and the rules were different. Like here they play dead button, here they play they play moving button, you know stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know if you miss a blind, do they have third man walking? All these things. So. We tried to systematize and, and get rules organized for cash games. That's mm -hmm. where we started. And we couldn't even get the card rooms to agree on the button, whether it be a dead button or, or button or a moving button. And when you say we, this was already sort of like a pre-TDA group? Or um, no, just... yeah. Well, it was just the four of us. Oh, just oh, yeah, wow. Because, okay. you know, Dave was the tournament director extraordinaire back then. Uh, then it became Matt, who, you know, and Linda and I kind of stepped back. But mm -hmm. the four of us know poker. We enjoy, we enjoy poker. We love poker. Mm -hmm. And since we couldn't get it organized for live cash games mm -hmm. we, we said okay well we'll try to get some rules for tournaments well the okay. first year we had had a meeting with you know we get got people to come and i don't know there are probably 20 people there maybe okay and we got 14 rules but the rules were okay. like they were the rules were like well the button will move in a clockwise manner oh wow i mean we, we, <laughs> very we, basic you know uh, players will not throw i mean it was it was very very basic and we thought well we'll try if you went to the TDA meetings now, it fills a conference room. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's so big, but it's you know, like a whole convention. Yeah, it's a whole convention. It's mm -hmm. two two full days with, wow. a, with you know with panels and speakers and you know, Phil Donahue running around and stuff. Right, right. But it's great because they've got rules and you know, and as long as you can remember all 800 rules now, it's only right. 14. Right. But, and, and I remember, I think we had uh, we had uh, Matt Savage on. I think he was episode number 49. I don't have my notes with me. But um, when I asked him also of like, hey, you know, Matt, you know, this TDA has been going on for like 20 years. Don't you guys think at this point you kind of know the rules? And he said, well, when you got that many thousands of people yeah. together, it's still important it, to meet every absolutely, couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. And the funny thing is the TDA actually sort of took place on the top of a mountain in Costa Rica, because that's where we were talking about. That's also the same trip where Linda oh, and Steve Lipsum. Yeah. Oh, was that at that yeah. time? Yeah. Wow. That time. What a magical time. Yeah. Costa and, we, Rica. and then we have a picture of the four of us, Linda, uh, Matt, Dave and me doing, you know, like making a human pyramid. <laughs> and, and why we did it, I have no idea. We're on this grass field, and we did it. it was funny. Good memories to yeah. have. We have a picture somewhere. I wish I should probably look for. It. It's pretty funny. Gosh. All right, so let's talk uh, Jan Fisher, the poker player. What's your favorite game? Omaha Eight. Why? I think that Omaha Eight is a game where bad players get punished sooner. I don't care about that. I know that good players get rewarded sooner. Hmm. Um, no limit. There, there are ways that a bad player can mm -hmm. neutralize somebody and you can take the shove in time mm -hmm. and make it really difficult. Okay. Uh, you know, whereas Omaha, you, you can't, you know, it's right. only going to cost you so much money. And it's, it's just a game where 
bad players are really bad. Interesting. So wh- why a, a flop game rather than, you know, let's say a stud eight or better or something like well, that? Well, stud eight or better would be great, but the only time they play stud eight or better is going to be a series. Okay. It's just there's no stud in town. Right. So you do like stud eight, but you just yeah. can't find a good game. Yeah, sometimes the Omaha game will be oh, Omaha and stud eight. Right, like one round. Yeah, one round. and mm-hmm. that's fine. That's fine. Okay, very cool. So how about uh, tournaments or cash games? Cash. Much prefer cash. That was very quick. Yeah. I have I have a bad back and I need to be able to get up when I when I need okay. to get up. I need to walk when I need to walk. And I also don't want I don't like the heartache. For me, it's it's a lot of heartache to work so well to make all the right decisions and they're all in the limit tournaments anyway. Mm-hmm. And get so close and then you know think, oh, I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. And then boom, one hand, it's over. Oh yeah. You're done. And we that, know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and that I I don't like that. Okay. There's, there's so many things I don't like about tournaments. Okay. That I've decided why am I playing in them? Fair now enough. I play in, in events where I'm invited, obviously, right. or you know, if I'm uh, you know, doing, if I'm sponsoring something, you know, I I do play when I'm supposed to play, but mm-hmm. to play the big events at WSOP, especially when there's a four hour line, it's yeah. just I'd rather take that fifteen hundred dollars and play it, you know, a high limit homogen. Nice. Okay, that makes sense. Good good uh, reasoning and rationale there. Uh, one of the questions we always love to ask uh, our interviewees here at the Cards Chat Podcast, um, who is the friendly, you have to pick one, who is the friendliest player you've ever competed against at the table? You wow. can take a minute, we'll give you a time check. Yeah, man, that's that's a hard one. Who's the friendliest? We'll play the Jeopardy music yeah, in the background. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wow. I, guess I, I guess you should have given me that question a long time ago. Oh, gosh. Um, who is the friendliest? Or you can you can name yeah. more than one. It's okay. Well, yeah, I'm trying to figure someone who's friendly. Even my even though, I mean, it's like the people in our home game, they're all friendly, but in, in the casinos, man, let me think on that. Okay. We'll, come, we'll that. circle yeah. back. Okay, we'll circle back to it. Um, one of the, I guess you, you can't just sort of okay, let's start like this. During the introduction, when I just first you know mentioned this is Jan Fisher, I mentioned that you are a member of the Women in Poker Hall of Fame. Um, I believe you were inducted in 2009. That sounds about right. That is obviously an honor that kind of like cements a person's legacy. So, and I'm not being facetious, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, you're in the Hall of Fame of, of anything. Like, that's, that's a very yeah, big deal. It's a big honor. It's a very big deal. So what does it mean to you to sort of carry that distinction and say, I'm a, a woman in Poker Hall of Fame? I guess it, it's, it gives me, it makes me happy that I was recognized. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't really like bells and whistles, but mm-hmm. it was really nice, you know, to have people obviously like me and, mm-hmm. and think I had done something for the, for the, you know, community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's good. Uh, women Poker Hall of Fame, I believe they try to induct a new class every couple of years. Yeah, I think it's every right? other year now. Right. And so, you know, for the women out there, what do you think, what, what's the stuff that it takes to, you know, obviously got to be involved for a long time, a good, you know, decade or more to be considered, but what is the stuff that, you know, kind of like, you know, like I know the world series of poker, like with the poker hall of fame, you've got an official list mm-hmm. of criteria. I don't know that the women in poker hall of fame does, but when it comes, comes time to sort of consider nominees, what are, what are you sort of looking for and say, okay, this is women in poker hall of fame material. Right. Well, the, I mean, the things you have to get, I believe you have to be 40, it could be 35, but I think it's 40. Mm. Um, and you have to be, you know, an ethical person. You have to mm. have a good reputation at the table and you, you know, it doesn't always work this way, but in my opinion, you also should have given back. 
you know, mm. and mostly they are people who give back. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, I'm not, we're not looking for, for people who won all, the most tournaments and won the most money. We're looking right. for people who are part of the community, the mm-hmm. poker community, right. and who want to grow it, who act right, which gives them the opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. You know? I like it. Very good. But right. yeah, it's just, you know, the, the longevity and, and with the age, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, I got one more question before we move into the uh, community questions from people in the Cards Jet forums who've submitted. Um, and I want to get this right, so I'm just going to read it straight off screen. So poker's come a long way um, as an industry from back when you first came and you know, became involved. There's a lot more high-profile players as well as industry personalities in prominent positions than ever before. And yet, there's still so much more potential to grow the women's game further. So what sort of developments, you know, on, on a tangible level would you like to see so that we could try to make that happen. As much as the behavior has improved, it still has a way to go. Hmm. And if the behavior improved, the ladies will come. It's so funny because men want more ladies in the card room, but right. a lot of them do everything they can to make it not fun. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, in my in my opinion, the only thing that would get more women in. Wow, you know, because there's women, and then you know, there's a lot of women's tournaments, which pisses some people off. Like we can't have a men's tournament. Well, mm-hmm. actually, yeah, you could have a men's tournament. Mm-hmm. But when ladies have a tournament and the guys dress up and enter the tournament because they think it's you know whatever, and they make a mockery of it, you know that's horrible. Now mm-hmm. in Nevada, they found a way around that. They make it ten times the buy-in right for a man. Right. And I know that one guy actually did that. I'm thinking, man, for a thousand dollar buy-in ladies tournament, you spent ten thousand dollars and you are out in level three. Nah, nah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know we had uh, I believe it was episode number 50, Lupe Soto, uh, who had founded the Women's Poker Association mm-hmm. and so many other great organizations, talked all about that sort of stuff. So uh, you know, after you listen to this episode and watch it, uh, please, by all means, go ahead and listen to Lupe and the other 56 episodes are, that we've got uh, here on the podcast. Yeah, there's no poker right now. I'm also, yeah, nothing, nothing to do. Oh, but these are evergreen. You can listen to them a year from yeah, now, hopefully. Yeah. So um, those were my questions. Okay. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed uh, you know, you. reminiscing a little bit. Some of that stuff you told me before and some other interesting nuggets. So that was, that was pretty you. cool. And like the golden nugget. <laughs> yeah, that's where a lot of that abuse happens. Had to get that one in there. Um, all right, so in this segment of the show, we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. We have a dedicated thread in the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our guests are going to be, please be sure to send in your questions. Our first question comes to us from KLT Womi. Womi, I'm not trying to pronounce that. Um, thank you so much. I believe this is the first time you've ever submitted a question and i think you're new to the cards jet form so thank you very much sir for sending this one in um and she wants to know jan what is your favorite memory or story from working for the world poker tour well i have one story that that involves a a, a very no, a very well-known actor okay i don't want to use his name because it kind of might be insulting but, okay but he comes in and i'm i'm up doing my stats and he says hey jan Jan, he says, you might want to tell Linda I'm here. And he's like fidgety and all, he's, I'm going to be sitting right there. And she's like, he's like going to come unglued. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing behind the thing that, you know, the thing that supports the license up and I'm telling Linda come this way. Mm-hmm. And she keeps going. Oh. And I'm going this. And finally, she's like, well, I know even though I'm on the stage now, I need to kind of meander over there and find out what's wrong. Uh-huh. And I told her without mentioning his name, he's sitting right there. You right. really should. And, you know, introduce him. Uh-huh. So on the next break, she says, I'm looking at an Academy Award winner has just entered. And 
So now he stands up, takes this big bow, and as soon as the camera's off him, he's out the door. <laughs> I mean, it was just his. It's been a wow. <laughs> I mean, it probably <laughs> happened 18 years ago, but it was funny because I and I was like, dude, you need to stop drinking coffee or something because right. he was all all hyper and crazy. Wow. Like, yeah, it was funny. That is certainly a story. Well, That's thank one you. of my good stories. One of them. Well, thank you very much, Kale T. Wellie, for answer, for asking that question. Grab a water. Sure, no problem. We'll pause right here. Just one moment. No, it's all good. One moment. Yum. So we're back now. Jan has got her water. Um, so thank you very much again, KLT Womi, for that great question. And please continue to submit some great questions for our interviewees. Acid Burn FX, always, uh, isn't that a great name? Yeah, I love it, but the questions are hard. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to ask you. Okay, we'll read them. So what is one thing you want to change about yourself? Um, be more patient. Oh, that's an interesting answer. I expect, and I don't mean just in poker table. I mean in life. I, hmm. I tend to get annoyed and irritated very quickly. Fooled me. Well, I, I try not to. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. I try. And, uh, yeah, and actually, I probably would try to be a little bit less sarcastic. Okay. Okay. Now, that one I, I, I've heard a little bit of sarcasm once yeah, in a Do while. you think a little bit? Like right there. <laughs> um, in next question, Master Bernard asks: In which moment in your life did you feel most alive? Probably when I was about 18 or 19 and doing real bad things. Okay. They were fun and I felt alive. Okay. And I got to stay alive after doing them. So that was kind of a, that was kind of nice too. Okay. We, I think we can leave it at, at, at that. That's a really good, good question and an <laughs> awesome answer. Um, last question, Massiburn FX. If a genie granted you three wishes right now, what would you wish for and why? Wow. Well, number one is something I would wish for, but I, I don't know if I, I, I would like Linda to get healthier. I would like Linda Johnson to get a lot healthier. I, I you know, she's, she needs to get healthy. Okay. Uh, and three wishes, two more. I'd like to be a better poker player. Um, three wishes. I really don't want for anything. You're supposed to wish more wishes. That's what you're supposed but to But I, I can't feel free. That's beautiful. But I'll take three. I'll take, I'll take unlimited wishes for the rest of my life. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> a great attitude. I love that. Um, Crystals, thank you very much. Crystals also sends in questions regularly. Jan, back in your early dealing days, what was the craziest thing you saw at a poker table? Crystals wants to know. Well, I saw a player put Coke on the rail and snort a line. Not the drinking kind. Not the drinking kind, the cocaine kind. And that was, you know, that was... One of the craziest things I ever is saw. that the kind of thing that you kind of like call a foreman or just no, it was a different time? No, it was a different time. Wow, I mean, it, would, it would never happen now, <laughs> yeah, but you know, this was in the 70s, uh -huh. and, uh, and I was kind of I was kind of like impressed that this guy had the balls to do it. But, uh huh, you know, he was in a game, a big high limit game, and yeah. nobody was gonna say anything. How about that? Yeah, interesting. So. Okay, well, you were the statistician for the world poker tour. Crystals wants to know what is the oddest and most fascinating poker stat you've ever come across? Wow. Good questions, guys. That, yeah, Thank you so much. That's a tough question. Um, probably, I mean, I don't know if this exactly answers the question, but when I was doing the stats for the WPT, mm -hmm. um, there were times when it would be like 217 hands, and there were okay. times when it would be 40 hands. And I think oh. I think that was a pretty pretty weird stat, But and these are all six-handed tables. Right. And it's funny because when you see see it on on TV, it was 17 hands in two hours. You know, like I say, there might have been 217 hands, but it just sometimes we'd we'd be done in two hours, and it was like great. Other times we wouldn't be done until three or four in the morning. And you just never know. And you had never know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting stat indeed. 
Um, Antonis32123, thank you very much. You got a few questions here to sort of end us off. Jan, can you talk a little bit? I mentioned the introduction. I didn't even ask any. Oh, man, thank you very much for putting this one out there, uh, Antonis. Um, can you talk about pokergives.org and why that organization is special and important to you? Uh, and moreover, what initiatives do funds donated to Poker Gives help support? Wow. Um, well, Poker Gives, uh, we, we started Poker Gives. It was Linda, Lupe, and oops, <laughs> somebody else. Um, anyway, Mike, Mike Sexton? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank there you. I have a site out of mind. Research. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, we love you, Mike. Oh, we love God, you. He would have laughed at that, though. Yes. Yeah. I, I miss Mike. Okay. I miss Mike a lot. Um, but Poker Gives was started to help players give back even. 20 bucks at a time, 10 bucks at a time, a dollar mm -hmm. a time. And we tried to implore on people that 20 bucks, 10 bucks, five bucks makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And so we started having tournaments around town where the buy-in would be cut, you know, be like, if it was a $40 buy-in, 20 of that would go to poker games. Beautiful. It was, except we kept we kept going to the same well. We hadn't gotten mm -hmm. word out and we kept going to our play, to our friends saying, hey, we're having a tournament Tuesday too. You want to play? And they're like, play, but they do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And now they're each putting out 40 or 60 bucks every, you know, whenever and people can't afford that. So right. um, then we, we started getting some donations uh, and then we, we realized we weren't really doing well by it. So we turned it all over to Lupe and okay. Lupe now runs it right. and it's a, it's thriving. I mean, it's wonderful. A hundred percent of the money that is given to poker gives gets to where it is needed. It's beautiful. I can't tell you specifically because the need changes. I know mm -hmm. that on Monday nights, a bunch of us go down to where, you know, where a lot of homeless people are and we set up a, just a bunch of tables and, and, and feed them all. And I yeah. know that poker gives pays for some of that. Mm -hmm. um, they, I know they, they donated something to like a kid in a wheelchair who, mm -hmm. you know, who needed a better wheelchair and bought it for him. It was the son of somebody, you know, who mm -hmm. we knew, I don't remember now who it was, mm -hmm. but um, it's, so it's something I'm really proud of and it, and it took a little while for it to take legs, but it finally mm -hmm. did. That's a beautiful thing. I always like, I'm, I'm big on, Poker's power for giving, and obviously, mm -hmm. you know, poker gives a great name. Um, and this thing, it's not just you know this special event, that special. Event. You say every single Monday night yeah. they're out there, and I've seen some of the videos, even like you know before. When Christmas. it's 120 degrees, we're out there, yeah. and we're there when it's 30 degrees. Right, and even then, the before Christmas mm -hmm. as well, like you know what, whatever it's like four well, or five in the morning. Something yeah, like we that. do that on Christmas morning. We go down, we we borrow the the sidewalk down there by the Super Pond, mm -hmm. where Las Vegas Boulevard and Main Street meet, and people just come and it's like the sun's not even up yet. We get about there about 435. Mm -hmm. We've been there when it's been really cold. I mean, it's been horrible, but you look at these people who were helping out and they're out in the cold right. or they're out in the heat and they don't even, exactly. you know, they don't even have a coat to wear. You know, it's yeah. like, can I have a coat? It's a, uh, one year doing that Christmas, doing the Christmas thing. Um, we were helping people out and somebody who had just come, just come with us for the first time kind of became a personal shopper for people. Oh, and this guy said, I need a coat. And she's okay, well, come with me. I'm going to find you. Mm -hmm. This stuff was everywhere. You know, right. We didn't have it organized. And she couldn't find something for him. And finally said, well, what kind of coat do you want? Mm -hmm. He said, well, kind of like the coat you're wearing. Well, she took off her coat no and gave it to him. Wow. And I'll never forget. It was Susie McBain, for those of you. Who, wow. Because, and she's since left town. And she, I think she's living in Michigan. She got married. She's happy. I love her to death. But. And I wrote, I was writing for the magazine at the time and I wrote a column called The Shirt Off My Back. Oh, that's and beautiful. It was, it was a coat, but and it was cold down there and then she didn't have a coat. But, Gosh, yeah. It's a very special organization. Yeah. Uh, pokergives.org if you want to go ahead and donate and, and learn a little bit more about it. Uh, two more questions, Jan, before okay. we wrap it up. Um, 
can you describe to us, this is again from Antonis32123, a typical card player cruise. What is the everyday routine? Do you run cash games or tournaments every day? Or is it just one big tournament taking place throughout the whole cruise like the riverboat gambling movie Maverick? Shout out to James Garner, Mel Gibson, and uh, Jodie Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's, I could have gotten to this. Yeah. Uh, okay, a typical card player cruise. First of all, card player cruise is very near and dear to me. Uh, we've been doing it for, well, we would have had our 20th year anniversary if pandemic hadn't occurred. But a typical cruise is we set up a Las Vegas poker room with a number of, ten, a number of tables that make sense for the number of bookings that we got, but we've, mm-hmm. we've done as many as 25 tables. Mm-hmm. Set it up wow. in a conference room. I have to be, you have to be from our group, you have to be booking with us to go in the card room. And we have cash in tournaments all day, every day. The only time we're closed is when we're in port or at night when all the games go down. We might play till 11 o'clock. We might play till three or four o'clock. Uh, we've played all night a few times, uh-huh. but it's just, it. You know, we have we have a lot of one to three games and two to five games. We also usually play Omaha four eight or ten twenty. Yay Omaha! Uh, we also have a beginners game. Linda and I give lessons to absolute beginners who like this is the button, this is a chip. I mean, wow. very very basic. But then we started like a two four or a three six game for mm-hmm. them, and they play for the, for the rest of the cruise. We have the lessons the first day, and they play for the rest of the time. And they're always the same nucleus who plays. That's and, wonderful. And I was called check and giggle poker. Because okay. they're always laughing. They're, they're all, and the dealer no, dealer has fun there. Uh-huh. And they just keep kind of pushing the same $4 back and forth. <laughs> but they love it. And they, you know, and a lot of them have become players, you know, and, okay. and playing the other game. So, um, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. A part of me is like, you know, my God, after all these years playing and involved, like you still have the patience to teach these people. But at the same time, that's exactly how you get new people Absolutely. into the game. Absolutely. If you're nice to the people who come in. Back back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, the card rooms would employ somebody called the brush. Okay. And the brush man, brushman is what it was called, um, you know, kind of helped run the card room. Basically, his job was to be at the rail. Okay. And walk back and forth and talk to anybody who came over. Oh, just like sort of a reading. Uh, yes, reader. and well, that's what's gone. And that, yeah. if I had a poker room, that's what I would have. I'd have someone to see everybody who comes in. Hi, how you doing? Do mm-hmm. you want to play some poker? Have you played poker before? Do you want me to tell you about the game? You know, things like that to welcome people. Hmm. And, you know, it, it worked. It was it was pretty good. Interesting. I, I like already it. forgot the next question. Well, it's the last question, so we'll remind you. Right. What is the everyday routine? Uh, no, it's oh. uh, can you share with us any special memories from these card player cruises, any special poker games, events, or incidents that you liked and still remember and want to share with us? Wow, everything is so cool. Um, we we did some charters back in the around ninety, I guess, a long time ago, of Holland America ships, and that's when uh, when we had the the million dollar the party poker million. Oh yeah, and we had crazy things going on, but we were, we had the whole ship, so everybody on the ship was with our group. That's incredible. And it was like. Like hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, of yeah. I think uh, we had we had no a thousand. We wow. had like, uh, yeah, like twelve hundred. I mean, wow. it was it was amazing. Different times. Yeah, My and goodness. then wow. uh, the first year the party poker million had it had the million dollar guarantee. Right. And unfortunately, we only got sixty players. And wow, card player cruises does what they say they're going to do, and we had to pay, pay the other four hundred thousand. And it just about sank us. I mean, it just about put us out of business, but we rebounded the party poker million grew hugely. We did it again on a cruise and it was and it was really good. Wow. Yeah. The first the year that we didn't make the guarantee, we didn't have the whole ship. But right. yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff in the, in the WPT. Wow. 
Amazing, amazing stuff. You've got great questions and great answers. Um, guys, thank you very much for sending in your questions for Jan Fisher. And of course, a friendly reminder to everyone out there in the Cards Chat community, we'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via social media. Uh, if you like the show, if you didn't like the show, then just, you know, don't spread the word anywhere at all. Um, Jan, before we let you know, anything else you'd like to tell, to tell our listeners and people watching here on Cards Chat? Well, going back to the question about the friendliest, I did I did come up with Maria Ho. Oh, okay, there we go. We came back to it. And Maria I, Ho, sure. I, and and Daniel and you know, all the the big players who are the nice ones. Yeah. And even the not nice ones, they're usually just quiet. Hey, Ellie. Ellie Lesnar. I know we had Maria and Ellie on the show. Go ahead and look through the catalog. Those are some great shows. Oh, as well. I bet they are. I bet yeah. they are. Yeah, so those would be some of the people. I think are the most friendly. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you again so much, Jan. Uh, always a pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can find me and follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.